Thanks for joining us on episode 1380 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm Alexandra Renders. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to live out the principles and values in our business and our life is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. This is interesting because on one level, I would say more people are coming to consciousness, Scott, like more people are becoming aware. And then on another level, I feel like more people are getting more in a place of denial. So almost like those who are aware, it's rising and those who aren't, it's kind of falling. So the gap between those who understand. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's podcast episode, I interview Alexandra Renders. I asked Alexandra about her journey to finally living her authentic values in her business and her life. I also asked Alexandra about how she sees this as something that all business owners need to do. And Alexandra also shares how her faith and spiritual journey influences everything she does. I've got a new book coming out called Inspired Living, Assembling the Puzzle of Your Call by Mastering Your Time, Your Talent, and Your Treasures. You can find out more about it and sign up for getting more information over at inspiredstewardship.com, Inspired Living. That's inspiredstewardship.com, Inspired Living. Alexander Renders is the founder and CEO of Willow Investments for Loving Change in Berkshire County, Massachusetts. Holding both the certified B Corp and women-based enterprise designation, a rare combination in the USA, Alexandra is known for keen, intuitive calls around thematic trends and market cycles. Willow pioneers caring capitalism with her core values of honesty, love, and caring for all of humanity. In addition to finance, Alexandra is an intuitive healer and guides all beings to their inner state of freedom, bringing abundance in all aspects of her life. Welcome to the show, Alexandra. Thank you. So nice to be here. So. I talked a little bit about this in the intro. We shared a little bit about who you are and what you do, but let's go a little deeper than that. Talk a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to the point of focusing now on what you call caring capitalism and putting love into the workplace and these sorts of things. Sky, I've been in the industry for 37 years, the investment industry, 37 years, held various positions on Wall Street, senior positions within banks, always on the investment management side of the business. Through those years, I've had a lot of exposure sitting in boardrooms, sitting in senior management, you name it, and witnessing behavior that was less than congruent with who I am. 
And I witnessed a tremendous amount of fear. I realize now in hindsight that really a lot of the behavior was based on fear. Let's make Wall Street numbers. I can go down the gamut. And I just knew it wasn't for me. I constantly felt conflicted. I felt uncomfortable. And I, I it got to a point where I knew it was just completely inauthentic to who I was. And I knew I had to set a different way which is why I started my own company, because I wanted to experience something I had never experienced in business before. And in the end, frankly, Scott, I just don't think we are going to survive as a business community. I don't think capitalism will survive if we continue on this collision course of greed, fear, as opposed to love and inclusivity. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about your faith journey and your spiritual journey and how that has paralleled the what you just talked about in terms of, wait a minute, this is incongruent. What, what's going wrong? It's Thank you for that question, because this was probably the most pivotal time in my life. This is what changed everything. I was working on Wall Street. I was really focused. I was really driven, really getting successful. And I remember one day walking I was rushing off to a board meeting. I was managing money for a nonprofit and I was in Grand Central Station. And this woman, you can see she was lost. She did not know where she was going. She was from another country. She was an old woman, couldn't speak English. Everybody was past her, including me. But it was like something grabbed me and pulled me back. And I went to her and I said, all right, I'm going to help you. What do you need? And I helped her get down to where she needed to go, realizing she would have been on the wrong course had I not helped her. Of course, I was late. But when I was done, she touched my face and said, you're an angel. Mm. And I got goosebumps all the way up my body. And I remember saying right then and there, get me out of here. I just sent the wish out because I knew I was losing myself in the whole thing. And sure enough, one thing led to another and I had a recruiter recruit me for this position in the Berkshires where I am now as a chief investment officer for a bank. And they wanted to go public and so on. So I took the position, but I didn't realize that I was sick. I didn't realize that I had a mess. And it wasn't until I came here and I slowed down and I realized I was sick. And that was the beginning of a, a real profound journey for me to, I became a Reiki master. I've got really, here I am <laughs> managing a $700 million portfolio by day, but by night I'm a Reiki master and doing healings in my little room here in my house. So it just started to blend true aspects of myself. Like I was separating the businesswoman to the deeply spiritual, divine, loving being that I am. And that was like the beginning of this journey. And it was what healed the MS was finally no longer denying larger parts of myself. Mm -hmm. So this was how it all, it, this is how it all started coming together. So what's the moment when you realize that you had these two halves that you were just talking about where the day job was one thing and the <laughs> night 
know, the night dot life was a different. You were Batman, right? <laughs> this <laughs> is so Bruce Wayne in my night Batman, right? <laughs> yeah, it was true. And, and this is such a thank you for asking this question because even though I was aware of this, and this was like in my I'd say mid thirties, even though I was aware of this, I was still struggling within myself. And I remember, I'll just frankly. I remember one of my employees saying to me, no one likes you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least they're honest. (laughs) I went home and I just cried. And I, I think I was like 42, 43. I called my mother and I said, mom, this happened. And she was so sweet and she really helped me through it. And then I sought out some help from some professionals and they said, you are not blending. You're confusing people. You're this highly spiritual woman. And then you're this like intense businesswoman, and they're confused by you. So that was the beginning of me, like this evolution, but the real boom was when I met my now husband who was a friend, but then became my coach. And he called me out on it. And he said, I see your website and your website shows how you're very socially minded and very, I can feel pieces of you in there. He said, but then I have this deeply spiritual woman and I see two sides. Mm -hmm. I see two aspects. He's like, and you will never be happy until they become one. And that was in 2018. And that was it. Mm -hmm. For me, when he said those words, I said, okay, bring me there. This is what I want. And that was it. That was the end. No longer here, no longer two, but one. Mm -hmm. And what I think going back to what you talked about earlier about capitalism and some of the struggles that, that we have, because I think some of that is, is evident at a larger scale. When you think about businesses and that the financial industry or whatever in that, will say a lot of the right things. The mission statement has all the right buzzwords in it. The They'll sit, this is our corporate <laughs> culture. No, it's not. It, it, but that's what we'll say it is and all of this. And then yet the face they put to the world. I think that's where a lot of the lack of trust that we have in industry comes from is it's like, you say your employees are the most important thing and yet you just did 35,000 layoffs and turned right around and hired 30,000 people at a cheaper rate. Something's not congruent with that, that kind of thing. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you talk about carrying capitalism? Oh, yes, 100%. The former company I worked for had this, we are family thing. And wow, was this a dysfunctional family? And we know there's a lot of dysfunctional. We are family, just not the kind of family we want. (laughs) And and anyway, yeah. And those were the types of things. I, I cannot lie like that. I can't. And this is what you're seeing. And here's if when companies put this out for marketing purposes, the veil's coming off. People are not buying it anymore. And watch out. That's all I have to say to businesses. These millennials, they will figure it out. And the younger generation, they will. And they won't, they're not the typical they're not like me when I came out of college. Okay. I was just like career house, this, that they're very different than us. They're coming Mm -hmm. into a whole set of circumstances in the younger generation. And I just think that is an absolute zero sum game. I'm going to tell you this, but I'm going to behave this way. Mm -mm. It's not going to work going forward. 
some of what's happened is the the change in the availability of of information and and what i mean by that is like i'll use car buying as an example used to there was a big deficit in knowledge in terms of the car seller had all of the information about what cars were selling for how available they were all of that and the car buyer had no information <laughs> And then as time changed and the internet and these things became available, now all of a sudden the information is much more. So I do a quick Google search and find out how much this car is selling for in 700 places. And now all of a sudden I have information when I walk in and it's a very different dynamic. And I think that's starting to happen on a larger scale with bigger companies where, again, they'll say the marketing message, but then people start Googling what they're really doing. And it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't match what you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's part of what's creating that dichotomy and that change? I, I, this, is a, this is interesting because on one level, I would say more people are coming to consciousness, Scott, like more mm -hmm. people are becoming aware. And then on another level, I feel like more people are getting more in a, a place of denial. So almost like the those who are aware, it's rising and those who aren't, it's falling. So the gap between those who understand, and then you have the ones in the middle that you can influence. <laughs> and I don't know, on some level, I feel like it's our job to help influence people to become more conscious. And that's certainly what I try to create with my company is to really hold people's hands to start to be, get more knowledgeable about these types of things. Like, mm -hmm. I feel, frankly, I feel like the the push to gaslight people, because I really call it gaslighting, mm -hmm. the push to gaslight people, I think is greater today than it has been in a very long time. And I feel like our job, why you do these podcasts is to help people raise up above that. Yeah. And I would agree. I think it's easier also today. And this kind of leads to what you're talking about of those that are becoming conscious can become more while those that aren't paying attention become less is it's also easy to get in an echo chamber now where all you hear is the message that you already believe mm. if that's all i hear <laughs> then of course i'm not going to change my beliefs so sometimes coming in from the outside it's about bringing in that different view that other way of looking at a journey and maybe it's not the same as mine but that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong it just means it's different and let's talk about that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, ultimately, I think it boils down to overcoming fear, fear to stand out beyond or different than other people. I, I can honestly say I feel like that was a very large part of my own personal journey. I think it's um, all of us, yeah. Yeah, I, that fear of rejection and fear of being different. You know what? The bottom line is I am different and I always <laughs> have been and I always will be. And I'm good with that. <laughs> or at least better with it. <laughs> I know I'm good with it now. It's so funny. I like being a unicorn. Yeah. There's a saying and I can't remember who said it is. And it was a wise sage. Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Mm -hmm. And, and you, I'm sure you heard that. And you know what? Yeah. That's how I want to live. And it's not because I want attention. I just want to be me authentically. Mm -hmm. And and I am a unicorn. Okay. It's all good. I think I most of us are unicorns. We just don't necessarily <laughs> admit it. <laughs> 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 Let's think about that. You, you 
had this awakening and said, I, I need to start aligning these two halves and, and you begin to do that. And now you look at and you try to help other people bringing love to a, as a core value to business. And that's one of the things that you describe things as. What what do you mean? What are you doing when you say that? What does that mean from the business perspective? If you're working with a leader, somebody in the business, mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about. How does that show up for them? Yeah, all right. It always so I always say it takes heart and it takes a lot of courage because it always starts with ourselves. Always. Like I could just express what I went through. I knew that I was afraid, like once I dug in and started doing the work with like coaches like yourself, I realized like, I am afraid of being rejected. That was at the core of everything. And that was actually dictating how I managed my mm-hmm. team. And that's the first place that I start with a leader is like, what? let's siphon down what you are afraid of. Is there fear underneath here? And what is it stopping you from really doing and being in the world? That's number one. And it takes openness. Scott, this, your effectiveness as a coach only comes with the person's willingness to open. To be vulnerable. Yeah. And to be vulnerable. And that's like the most important. So the first place to start is to get comfortable with being vulnerable. And I think that's just one of my skill sets is I naturally help open up a heart People often don't want to go on vacation with me because they end up crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's one of my gifts. What can I say? (laughs) That's what it's. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever heard crying on vacation described as a gift, but that'll work. Yeah. I'll accept it. (laughs) My college friends, I'll never forget. We used to go camping and we'd all have wine or whatever. And (laughs) around the campfire, everyone's crying. And my friends, like, do you ever notice like when you're around, all of us start to cry and it's, I don't know. It's just part of my gift is to go into those shadows. Mm-hmm. And that's really what coaching is. If you really want to live an authentic life, because that's where I start. Mm-hmm. And, 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 go, go ahead. ahead. And, 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 and I'll just say in my company, that's where I started with me. My team had to see me stand up and say, I'm afraid of being rejected. And that that totally floored them because they saw me always as a benevolent general. And I was, and I am. However, they couldn't see the weakness because God knows I would never let them see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's too vulnerable. Once they saw that vulnerability, once they actually saw it, they started, and it took time to chip away at their vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And now all the masks are completely off for all of us. Yeah. I, I've actually, I know of a company situation where the anonymous survey about the boss was everybody hated the boss, (laughs) but then when they called everybody into the room, one person was brave enough to stand up and say, you're the problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, whatever you're doing, that's the problem. Everybody else was like, I don't know what he's talking about. He's everything's fine because they were afraid of the repercussions. Mm-hmm. And that's a toxic culture when that happens. But and I and again, that's not to say that the leader was even trying to create that culture, but that's the culture that had been created out of their own fear. Yeah. 
it's so funny. And that was part of the exercise, Scott. Once I admitted I had this fear of rejection and I didn't see myself leading the way I needed to lead, I had to listen to the way that they were truly impacted by that. And we had to create the safe place for them to express that. And then really follow through on that and make it actually safe. <laughs> it had to be done. It had to. There was no way we, it had to be like the cat's out of the bag. For me, once it's out of the bag, there's no, you can't stuff it back in. It's not going back in the bag. Yeah. It was only forward from there. And that meant everybody had to participate and everybody had to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. obviously too, as we come in in, into and show up in the world, there's a lot of different faith approaches, spiritual approaches. People have different belief systems and different things that they're operating from. And yet at the end of the day, some of what you're talking about is spiritual principles showing up in business, but we have to do that in the right way (laughs) too. And in a way that's enabling and empowering and able to work with others. So how do you help folks recognize that the value of bringing those spiritual principles to their day-to-day work as well. Oh my goodness. Okay. The the number one thing that we did was create like a, we took these idealistic principles, right? Love people think is idealistic. I don't think it is. I think it's realistic and we can't live without it, but we put them into tangible form so that a, a leader in my company can't get, can't, get promoted. These are all part of how they get scored in the company. (laughs) And so we actually created like a tangible form of, okay, if you, for example, are talking behind somebody's back, you are at the very low level of love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you are able to lovingly confront and have a conversation, a nonviolent form in a place where you're accepting total responsibility for your own feelings, where you're knowing that you're part of this, every interaction, you're 50-50, always, I actually call it 100%, 100% responsible. I was going to say, that's probably more accurate. Yeah, Yeah, I call it more like 100-100. If if you could get to that point where it's 100-100, then you're like maybe at the third level, right? And then at the fourth level, it's like this ultimate, everything's perfect that's happening here. (laughs) <laughs> Even this little clash, let's so to speak. So we we actually put in these structures or these ways of scoring ourselves. So within the industry, so if let's say a company says we want to do this, okay, what is what what does love look like for you? Right. And it's literally a conversation. Like, how does it feel? What is it? Not just what does it look like. What does it feel like? So we have all these exercises we did with our team to actually bring us into the felt sense. It's one thing to go here, but we wanted the felt sense because really that's where we need to go. So this is how we did it in our organization. And then what we did, so you know, is for the community, because now we want to be like that beacon for everyone. We offer like free community days twice a month in our company where we're actually teaching people the core feelings sad, mad, glad, and scared, (laughs) like bringing people back into their feelings. And then also then from there, we do constellations, but I hope that answered the question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And it's, and I think 
pointing out, like bringing people in to, to talk about their core feelings. Uh, I, I could tell again, I worked in the corporate world and I've had the boss that would be like, yeah, oh, this emotional intelligence stuff is all junk. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. You just show up at work and, and work. That's all you got to do. Um, it, it, they should be happy. They have a job. That's my, that was always my favorite one is they should be happy. They have a job. It's like, you should be happy. You have a job too. Um, <laughs> but I think a, a lot of times in the corporate culture, it, it's antithetical to actually following through on that. So how do you see it? Is it a, bottom up change is it a top down change how does a let's say there is a leader in their organization that is hearing this and is going yeah i need to do that i need to change that that doesn't mean the whole organization's changed yet right so how do you navigate or thread that kind of needle okay top first because if the leader isn't embodying any of this, then it's all the falsehoods that we talked about before where it's like we are family and we're hardly that. <laughs> okay. It's top for, there has to be an absolute dedication and drive by that. Those leaders, the lead in my company, obviously it was this, I, I, I was at the time the only CEO and founder I made, I did make some of my employees owners, but at the time I was there and it was like, this is the culture we're creating and I am committed to it. And I don't care what fire I need to walk through, how much pain I have to experience, how much vulnerability I have to have, I'm doing it. And it's, it's like that commitment at the top. If that's not there, then it's all false pretenses. So let's not even bother doing mm -hmm. it. So it's got to be there. And then you have to have a buy-in at the next level. If you don't, and I'll be honest, I lost a key employee during this time. And I, let me tell you, I was really saddened by it and freaked out because I depended on this person. This was my right-hand person. But ultimately, this person was not interested in doing the work that would make this person no longer be passive-aggressive. Mm. Wasn't acceptable anymore. Okay. And we were fine putting the money, the time, and energy, and everything into it. Would have been fine. But it is also but they didn't buy in. <laughs> they didn't buy in. So they had to go. This is as a leader, you have to expect this. Just like aspects of myself had to go, had to just go. It, it's the same thing with the people. So at that level, you have to have buy-in. And then I feel like it's a bottom-up approach from there because it's like, all right, this now we're committed here. Here's our core values. This is what we're going for. Let's get everyone now involved in how we're going to shape these particular values. So in our case, the number one value that came out of this conversation with everyone was safety. Because no one experienced safety in corporate America. No one. And I'm like, huh, they can't be vulnerable unless they know I have their back. Mm -hmm. And that has to be a buy-in at every level. And what is and so we had to start defining, and then that's where my the coach who's very skilled came in and we worked together to say what does safety look like and we worked on it with everyone and at first someone's like oh physical safety oh well, that's a given we're talking about emotional safety we're talking about something far deeper so 
That's how it has to happen here. And at the very top, buy-in CEO, the leader completely dedicated, knowing this is the true, this is my true north. And that's the star is there and it will always be there. And then the buy-in at the next level, and then you bring everybody in. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was such a fun process. And to get to know people in a way, I can't even tell you. It was so beautiful. Honestly. So yeah. It, 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 when it actually changes and actually works, it is. Again, I think it's interesting because a lot of times, and, and I think you pointed this out a couple of different times, a lot of times we stop at the word as opposed to talking about what does that actually look like? What is that actually, how do we put that word into action? Exactly. It's The mission statements are usually loaded with a lot of nouns and not a lot of verbs. <laughs> It's like a lot of adjectives and 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 no action, (laughs) but no actual verbs where it's like, yeah, but how do you do that? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that Mm -hmm. taste and smell like? What do we do? So they'll say something like customer service. Okay, okay, but how do you put that in action? <laughs> you know? We have great customer service. Yeah. You know. So before yeah. I ask you a few questions that I'll ask to like to ask every guest, uh, is there anything else about your work or, or what you've been doing with these companies that you'd like to share? I would just say this. Now is the time to do this. Our society, our community, our world, like humanity is hungry for change. Hungry. Including our own souls, including our own force within that wants a true change. To me, this is, it's ripe for change. And this was so welcomed by our employees, by our clients, and by our prospects. Mm-hmm. It's, I say, go for it. Honestly, that's where I am. I'm inspired by what I've created, like in my own life. And it has just created so much joy and so much passion. I, I just, why not everybody live in this place? And, and when you sit here, you can never harm another. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I feel about this. That's why it's so important to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My brand is Inspired Stewardship, and I, I run things through that lens of stewardship. But like we were just talking about a few minutes ago, I've discovered that that's one of those words, stewardship, that people hear it, but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some people, it means nothing to. When you hear the word stewardship, what does that word mean to you and what has the impact had on your life oh my gosh that means that i am responsible everything that i do every word i say every action i take every thought i have it matters i'm a leader i'm the steward bringing forward into the world a change that has to come by my pure intentions And that's what that word means to me. When people take this really seriously, like you do, Scott, this is what we are meant to do and be in the world. That's Mm -hmm. how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. 
So this is my favorite question that I love to ask everybody. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Imagine for a minute that I, I invented this magic machine. Mm. And with this machine, I could pluck you from where you are today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, maybe mm. 250 years. Mm-hmm. And through the power of this machine, you are able to look back and see your entire life and see all of the, the ripples, all of the contacts, all of the impacts that you've made. What impact do you hope you've left in the world? Oh, my. I hope I left love behind. I hope I left love in the most profound way behind. And that if someone were to think of me in any level, that they would just see and feel love. That's what I want. As we finish out the year, what's next on the roadmap for you and and your work? Good question. Since this is coming out on December 11th, I can say that I have partnered my company with a larger company who is embracing our values. We looked at 47 companies. And yes, and I was very picky and I was kicking the tires and being a real, it has been a two-year process. I have decided to partner with another company for a number of reasons. I want to provide a much larger, it's either I go out and buy companies, but I have a much higher mission now. And my mission is to help leaders choose caring capitalism and come to this place. That's my mission now, as well as help humanity with some gifts that both my husband and I have to literally heal trauma in two hours. He has a process that they're using in the UK, very effectively, 94% effective with veterans. So this is part of my mission and my work in the world. We, we were trying to get to Maui to help the people there. But my point being this, I've made this choice for a number of reasons. One, to follow my heart now, because my mission is such great, much greater than managing money. I'm also creating an economic intuitive newsletter so people can get information from me at, at, at often, three, four times a month that's usable and affordable. And I, this company that we ultimately ended up deciding to go with is already embracing our mission, vision, values. They're already integrating it. We've already had a team meeting where there were tears coming down (laughs) of of, uh, an integration. And that's when I knew this was the company because they were willing to sit in a room, stripped down, so to speak, being vulnerable, not just high level management, but they, I, our coach asked them to bring every level with them. As I look at the future, this is where Willow, they're becoming, we are becoming part of a larger organization together. We're still a standalone, but with this organization. And that is going to free me up to do the work that I want to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was a big, this was a very (laughs) difficult decision, but it was a decision I have to make. I'm pushing 60 and I think, okay, what do I want in my life? And I want to make a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Thank you. It looks forward to seeing that play out uh, in the years to come as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, the investment organization that the company I created is still intact and I'll still be there and my all of my employees are maintaining, which is fantastic. And they've already getting little promotions and all that. So we haven't done it yet, but we will be, this will be taking effect very soon within a few weeks. So yeah, it's and exciting. You can, and you can find out more about Alexandra Renders over at 
as she just mentioned, <laughs> the economicintuitive.com. And of course, I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Anything else you'd like to make sure that the listeners know about or hear about? There's leaders out there, take heart and go for it. That's what I, I just, please go for this because we need you. We need you to be you. It's so important. And we need you to heal whatever's there so you can lead in the most magnificent way and have a great life because I attest to it. It's, it's fabulous. And then I would just say there's big changes coming in our world. And it really is important, which is why I'm launching the Economic Intuitive Newsletter. I feel like it's really important that you be aware that these changes are taking place and that even you may not own a company, okay, but you're still a leader. Every individual is a leader because you can make your choices. You have free will to make your choice. You're a leader in change. And so I just say, make those smart choices for yourself, not for somebody else, for you. So that's what I have to say. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.